Welcome to the Immerse Podcast, where we look at God's Word to see why it matters for us today. Welcome back to the Immerse Podcast. My name is Keith, and I'm joined by James. And James is fresh off of a virtual, like, marathon. What was no. it, James? You did that. No, you, you've put two and two together and come up with five. <laughs> <laughs> you saw on my Instagram that I'd cycled on an indoor trainer in but my how house long? and then ran. And then you've also seen something for a virtual run, and you've <laughs> put those two together. But how long was the, the cycling? I don't know, 90 minutes. Oh, I thought there was a distance on Oh, no, there. that was time. A few people said that. A few people said, like, wow, you cycled 90 kilometers and ran that's 30 what, kilometers. That's what I thought. Before breakfast. Uh, no, no. Oh, that was before breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you've, you've taken that. I've exercised. <laughs> and then there's a virtual marathon. And you're like, <laughs> now it no. makes more sense. I was now really confused when you came in this morning and said, how was your virtual marathon? Like, yeah. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Sorry, man. Well, I know you're quite the competitor, so you've got, I mean, not, you know, but, but you're, you like to do those events. <laughs> and so, I do. Yeah. On occasion. And so I think on a podcast of yesteryear, we talked about the uh, cancellation of the last triathlon so hopefully on yeah, the next I one think back to the episode we recorded in your car yeah <laughs> when I had my arm in a cast <laughs> so hopefully we can get back to that again but i know but that you continue cast, to train yeah. yes. well james today we have a pretty uh intense uh section of scripture commentators say that this is a controversial chapter and because there's some specific things mentioned that some see one way and others see another way but we'll do our best to immerse through it Ooh, that was good. How'd you like that? That was good. <laughs> and if you want to start off by reading Revelation 1 through 3, 11, 1 through 3, that would be wonderful. I yeah, think, I, think I understood what you meant then, but I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll do it anyway. So Revelation 11 uh, begins like this. Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Wow. That James. sounds very biblical, doesn't it? There's talk about like sackcloth and witnesses and, and temples and courts and worship, and it's all, it sounds and prophesy it sounds very very biblical bible speaky well james i want to have a I have a question for you right up front and and you, you know you're a pastor why don't we do sackcloth anymore like it could can we wow. do sackcloth virtually is there a way to do the sense of sackcloth we just don't repent like we used to we're like oh sorry god didn't mean to do that maybe next time i won't we're very casual aren't we i mean people literally went through days of repentance. I recently saw someone on Instagram talking about it in the U.S. that we need to, as a nation, repent before God for our sin. But I was just thinking, like, when I read the sackcloth, like, you know, you read that in the Bible and you think, man, that is really intense. It is a very intense physical expression of an inward condition or, or posture. Why don't we do it anymore? Well... Stuff is not delivered in sacks anymore, though, is it? Are potatoes not delivered in sacks? I guess the little net things. Uh, 
I'm not sure. <laughs> we should share some of these questions before we get going. Why did we no, do this? This is totally anymore? random. I'm sorry to put Why you on the spot. Cloth. I wouldn't even know where to find some. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but in general, James, the idea of repentance. Yeah. It's it's really how serious are we taking it, right? Yeah. I mean, it is. It's a very physical and outward expression of an inward condition and posture isn't it and if you've got a load of itchy fabric laying around it'd be <laughs> itchy <fabric>. one way <laughs> that'd be one way to show how serious you are uh, wouldn't it to, to to wear it same as that well actually <laughs> looking out the window it's not same for you for you and me but most people couldn't step outside and heap dust on their head right to complete the look uh, whereas you and me probably could but I think this is this would be a great podcast sackcloth and a ashes a return to sackcloth and ashes yeah. oh my gosh we could talk about repentance because you know really it it is a it is I feel like that we're very casual you know Christ has forgiven our sins past present and future with his sacrifice on the cross and so we are in a right standing with God however personally I think that we can walk in the spirit or we can walk in the flesh and that's a struggle. I mean, we still sin as Christians. So when we have a sin, instead of continuing in it, how do we repent? What's the attitude of our heart and posture of our heart? Now, that could be mm. a great podcast, James. Mm. It's not really the, the subject du jour, but it <laughs> could be <laughs> a great podcast. Sackcloth and ashes. Yeah, maybe. We could just tell people how unrepentant their lives are looking from the outside. Yeah, for sure. Which is quite ironic. If we're doing that. Yes, yeah, <laughs> very ironic. Well, hey, today it looks like, James, we have a couple of things mentioned here that uh, are kind of like hooks. We have um, a measuring rod. So, I mean, the, the, you, you, you're reading verse 1, and wow, there's a measuring rod. Then there's a temple of God, and then you kind of scroll down to or, or look down to verse 2 and 3, and you've got two time periods, 42 months and 1260 days. And to me, when I see things like that in the Bible and the way that I understand the Bible, I go, oh, great, let me highlight that. Maybe that's mentioned somewhere else. And in fact, all of those three things that I just mentioned are mentioned actually, and I think we were talking about this before the podcast, in other parts of Scripture. And so I think it'd be good if we could go through those kind of one by one and flesh mm -hmm. those out and then kind of try to figure out what in the world one through three means to us as believers here today in the world that we live in, which is kind of crazy. You know, with COVID-19, with the, the crazy politics all over the world, with, you know, social media, social distancing, everything's social these days. We're kind of yeah, having guess, a social podcast, one extreme, I guess. One extreme to another. <laughs> but first of all, with the uh, measuring rod, um, you know, I, I read that, and I think you probably read this as well, that they were kind of uh, common to the Jordan Valley. So... I think if I were in the south of the U.S., I would just say he grabbed a stick. But, you know, I think in that part of the world, you would say a reed, which I think is kind of a similar thing. Mm. And um, I believe that you and I were both saying that in Ezekiel 40, um, I don't know if you uh, have any notes on that, but we were talking about that it's used in the same way to measure something out. Yeah, I was reading Ezekiel recently, my kind of like morning quiet Bible reading time and I think when I got to that chapter it's not particularly 
I don't know if this is really bad to say, but it's not particularly engaging, is it, or thrilling when you get to that part of Ezekiel. And he has a vision of the new temple. And then it's just all these measurements, and it's hard. You know, it's 50, about 50, no, 49 verses. So it's not an Instagrammable verse that you can say, hey, I oh, claim yeah, this for no, my life today. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, Ezekiel 40, 34, for example, its vestibule faced the outer court, and it had palm trees on its gems. I don't know what a gem is. Uh, and either side, and its stairway had eight steps. You know, it's, that's not Instagram material, is it? <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I don't mean that it's not good to read Bible books <laughs> for their Instagrammable quality. But you read that, and it doesn't, it's hard to see the connection from it to me and it to us now, isn't it? When you read nearly 50 verses of cubits and rods and measurements and how many steps this place is going to have. And, but know. that's a great comment, James, because just like David was very real about his relationship with God, but we read the Psalms and he was angry at God sometimes. And I think as Christians, we kind of shy away from saying, oh, well, I was reading through Numbers and it seemed difficult or Leviticus or, you know, man, what a difficult devotional time. We, we kind of shy away from saying that, but I think it's good for you as a pastor to say, hey, look, we all struggle with these scriptures. But then today, I think what we see is when we're reading Revelation, we can refer back to it. And as mm -hmm. we've said so many times, have the Bible reinforced the Bible, then the passage in Revelation becomes that much stronger. Yep. Because we see that God's way of worship is always very specifically prescribed. Um, I know in church you have uh, led us before and raising a holy hand as we pray mm -hmm. uh, towards the end, or there are different postures that we can do. And what that really does for us as humans is I think it kind of puts us in the right frame of thinking to know that these are God's measurements. So, mm. you know, in many churches nowadays, we have these contemporary churches nowadays, and some of them are just so... There's nothing wrong with having different styles of worship or doing what you want, but sometimes I feel like you can go so far away from it being about God and it becomes about you. And it's like the music I like or the way that I like to make mm -hmm. this or that, that you're kind of thinking, okay, where is God in all of this? And so God mm -hmm. is very specific here in how to measure this temple. Um, and just like in Ezekiel 40 that you just mentioned. Mm, yeah, there's a lot of specificity. That's a good word, specificity. Yeah, Just like eschatological juggernaut. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I've been trying to use that in sentences, Have but really? it's, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Not really. It doesn't roll off the tongue and it doesn't <laughs> fit your everyday conversation, does it? Right. Yeah, there is a lot of specificity. Um, you know, measure this, don't measure that. So he's, he's measuring the holy place and the most holy place, but not the courtyard not the outside space right and you know you see that so he's going to measure the you know the temple and the altar uh he's going to measure the places that priests could go but the place the outside space the court outside the temple leave that out for it's given over to the nations and they will trample it for 42 months and then two guys are going to come along and they'll prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sight. It's all very specific, isn't it? It's do yeah. this, but don't do this. Right. Measure this, but don't measure that. Two people are going to come, not just witnesses will come. You know, two witnesses will come. 
and they'll prophesy for a very particular number of days. They're going to be wearing a particular, you know, it's, it's all very precise. Yeah, it's precise. Yeah. So, James, I think it'd be good for us to back up for our listeners just for a moment. Um, if you've not been to Israel before, it's really probably, I would say, like one of the greatest trips you could take as a Christian because it really brings the Bible together. So that's my push for Israel. Of course, right now with COVID, it's difficult to jump on a plane. But if you have a time in your life, it's a great place to go. So in Israel, uh, David wanted to build a temple to God. It was the first temple ever kind of built in Israel on Mount Moriah. A lot of events in the Old Testament happen on Mount Moriah. So there is, if, if you're in Israel, you would see the archaeological dig called the City of David, where David had his palace, is just right down, and then just above it, it looks like a hill now. But I know before they built all things over the centuries, it was a, a bit more of a, a hill, a Mount Moriah, a Mount Mountain. And so on that mountain, Solomon, his son, built the temple. Um, and then as we know, the children of Israel, Israel in general, was taken captive and moved to Iraq and Babylon. And Nehemiah, you know, we, we all know Nehemiah and his job in rebuilding the temple and gathering everybody together. Uh, all of those events happened to rebuild the second temple. Well, then in 70 AD, that was destroyed, as we know from history, confirmed by multiple historical sources. And then as we know today, on the Temple Mount itself, which is said to be historically the same site. There is a mosque, and it is a Islamic site. But at the bottom of that today, Jews still worship there. So a lot of Christians go like, well, wait a minute. When Jesus came to the earth, wasn't he the ultimate sacrifice? Like, why would there ever need to be sacrifices in the temple again? But as I went to Israel, and you talk to any Jew, they're going to say, no, that's what we're looking forward to. Because ultimately, we can't do what we did in the Old Testament because we don't have a temple to sacrifice the animals now to cover our sins. And so it's interesting that God will allow that to rehappen again, according to this, a temple to be built for three and a half years. And then um, as we see in the latter half of verse 2, in the middle of the three and a half years, the... Uh, the, the nations will trample the holy city. And we know from other parts in the New Testament, um, as a matter of fact, I think I wrote some down here. Second Thessalonians 2.4, uh, Revelation 13, 14 and 15, Daniel 9.27, that there will be one called the Antichrist that will desecrate that temple. So in order for the Antichrist to desecrate the temple, there has to be a temple, right? True. So you could, that's what I'm saying. You can kind of like, you're having devotions and you're reading one part of the Bible and you're saying, man, this is just kind of like, how does this fit in my life today? But then as you have it reinforced by another portion, really what it does is it solidifies my faith in God and lets me know that God is concerned about us and everything that we're doing because he reinforces what he says so many different ways. So if I'm following you right, you are... Let me just try and summarize. So from the death and resurrection of Jesus until the rapture of the church, you're taken as the, the time of the Gentiles. So we're now we're living... In the church age, I would the, say. Yeah. The, the period of time which is the church. Because, you know, yeah. after Christ arose in Acts 2, the church was born. True. And then we talked about way back when 
we started doing this kind of revelation at the end of three into chapter four after this and we kind of said that if you piece a few things together in the bible it looks like that's when the church is raptured right so you're kind of saying if i've understood right correct me if i've not understood you right that it's three and a half years from the time the church is raptured. The time the church is raptured until now ish right is that well i i think the thing is james is that commentators say and this is part of the controversy that we don't know if this three and a half years that's is the what I mean. first half or the yeah. second half is this looking back at the last seven chapters and saying all right all this is gonna happen three and a half years or has it taken three and a half years for us to get from chapter four to chapter 11 and then now uh, yeah so we we do know that chapter 10 in Revelation and chapter 14 are clear bookends. There are events that happen there that kind of demonstrate that that's a time period. So in the middle of that, we've got this uh, tribulation time. We know that there is a tribulation of a per certain particular set of time because of other parts of scripture, particularly Daniel. Uh, I believe I wrote down in Daniel uh, 9.27, it talks about a week, uh, meaning mm, yeah, the- Daniel's the, the 70th the week, yeah. yeah. This, this, the 70th week, which is seven years. And so in the middle of that week, it's clear that somebody will desecrate it. So I think what I'm trying to say, James, is that I put this together by taking different parts mm -hmm. of Scripture and kind of verifying them together. Um, you know, if you have devotions and you're reading your Bible and you're just looking at it as one continuous story, things just don't make sense and don't fit, really. And you really have to do some crazy things mm -hmm. to try to get it to make sense. But I think in all of this, as we see the power of our God, it just it's really a faith confirmer, mm, a faith builder. There's worship going on, isn't there? Right. Measure the temple and the altar and those who worship there, but don't measure the courtyard because that's going to be given over to the nations and they're going to tremble the holy city. So there's worship going on, yet there's also a trampling going on. Right. And when people would say, well, man, if, if the, the temple is rebuilt, how in the world could it be destroyed? Well, all we've got to do is look back at history. I mean, mm. if there was a great temple of God before, how could God allow it to be destroyed? Well, I mean, we, we read in the Old Testament of the kings, you've got one great king that followed the Lord. You've got three more kings that didn't follow the Lord. You've got a king that followed the Lord. And ultimately, Israel gets taken captive because of their disobedience. They didn't obey the Sabbath. They didn't do what the Lord asked them to do. And so it's interesting that uh, in the middle of this three and a half years, this happens. But all the while, we've got all these horrible events that we've been talking about in the tribulation around the world. So it's not really a great time in the world, and it's not really a great time to be around, as we've kind of talked about in last podcasts. Okay. So there's a lot of precision, but also a lot of ambiguity that when is this three and a half years? Right. And you can kind of piece together who you think the two guys are and I think maybe we said we'll talk about that next time but it's not they're not named but they're definitely yeah it's a strange like there's a lot of paradoxes in the christian life yeah <laughs> there's there's a there's there's a lot to be discovered and i think that's the thing james that being a christian for as many years as i have i'm never disappointed after studying the bible you know, when I set out to study a passage and I realize, oh, man, you know, just like you're talking about Jesus in the Old Testament, you know, a lot of people would go like, wait a minute, does the Old Testament have anything to do with Jesus? 
Well, man, when you read how books point to Jesus or there's Jesus in the Old Testament or, you know, you talk about a theophany in the Old Testament where Jesus appeared. You know, many people say that Jesus was in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's, it's just really affirming when you say, yeah, that's the Jesus that I follow. That's the Jesus that I pray to. That's mm-hmm. the Jesus I worship. Um, it's interesting, Luke 21, 24 I was looking at uh, really kind of to me describes the same time period. It says they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So I would say Mm. the times of the Gentiles, the second three and a half years, the temple is going to be gone. I can't imagine the scene on the earth, just the mass chaos, the heartache, the, the, the torture the Antichrist kind of running around doing as he pleases right before Jesus returns. And I cannot wait till we get to that point in Revelation. Mm. <laughs> so then you're kind of thinking then that this must be the second half. If there's still worship going on at the temple and there's no mention of um, some world ruler having put a stop to it and putting himself there in place of God and as God, then this kind of, this must be the if I'm getting things right, this must be the first half because there's still worship going on there. That's not described as being heretical and weird and wacky and, and wrong. So, I think the be. only thing to me, James, that I would say would make it the second half is verse 2, but do not measure the court outside. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations and they will trample the holy the city. So it's it's kind of funny to me that I mean, I guess the Jews today don't really buy into the New Testament, but but I can't but I can't really imagine that. I mean, you talk to a Jewish scholar and he's going to say, "No, we believe the Torah," but the the uh, the uh, Tanakh. What's the the term for the Old Testament in the Hebrew? I forgot. But anyway, uh, you know, of course they wouldn't buy this, but we would look at it as evangelical Christians, believers in Jesus, and go like, "Well, certainly, yeah." There's going to be a time period that that temple's going to end and Gentiles are going to overtake and desecrate the temple and trample all over the courts. Uh, but yeah, it's really hard to be dogmatic. And, and I think when I look at great scholars like John Walford or I look at, you know, great commentaries and they say that it's not clear, mm. I'm a little bit humbled to say, well, yeah, well you, better yeah, watch myself about being dogmatic. Right. There's, a, there's a trampling. Uh, so that is a very time of the gentiles Yeah. But then there's no mention of, you know, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who are worshipping a false god there, just as those who were worshipping there. So the first half of, well, verse 1 makes you think that it's first half, but then verse 2, like you just said, is very uh, second halfy. And then the only thing that's confirmed is that it's 1260 days, which is <laughs> three and a half years. So it's either first half or second half. But yeah, it's um, it's hard. Like it's said, hard you, to be dogmatic. Read scholars and commentators far like more experienced and learned than you and me, and nobody's got a. This is it. Right. All I've got in my Bible is 3.5 years, comma. Therefore, half of Great Tribulation? Question mark. Yeah, that's where we all which, kind of end which up. Which one is it? Yeah, is it the first? Is it the second? Is it verse one? 
the first, is it verse two, the second? Oh, it's definitely half though, because verse three says it's 1260 days. <laughs> well, James, I, I have one other uh, comment, and that is that uh, a lot of people, if they wanted to be very sort of spiritual and not very literal about this text, would say, well, it doesn't really mention that it's Jerusalem, so how could you say that it's a literal temple? How are the Jews gonna rebuild a literal temple? Well, this is kind of maybe for next time, but as I was reading through this chapter, down in verse 8, it talks about, and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city. So it says great city, just like it said uh, above temple of God, great city. And then it says where the Lord was crucified. So that's Jerusalem. Mm. I mean, that's not London. That's not Tokyo. That's not other cities in the world. That's Jerusalem. That was where Christ was crucified. Mm -hmm. There's two spots that they think it might be, but both of them are in Jerusalem. So there's no doubt that the Lord was crucified in Jerusalem as a city. So that's very specific. Yeah, you don't have to be a, a, a Christian apologist trying to make a point to get you know to, to show your own side to see that Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. You know, right. it's not, you, know you don't have to peace. This is this and uh, be. What do I mean? You know, it's not something that only Christians would hold to. Like, it happened, people documented it who weren't trying to prove a point. Think about, was it Josephus, the great big historian? Yes. Wrote stuff down because he was a historian, not because he was a gospel writer or a early Christian apologist. Yeah, kind of like Tom Holland that we've been talking about. We were talking about Tom he's Holland. He's poured his life into history. Yeah, is he? So he, when you read his stuff, you think, man, this kind of is what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And he uses some large words as well. He does. I said to you, I've got to <laughs> st stop reading every two or three minutes to Google a word because his vocabulary is tremendous. Well, James, I would say, as one, one final comment, as I was reading this, I was thinking, uh, you know, when I was growing up in the southern part of the U.S., where there's a lot of green grass and a lot of pine trees and you know just kind of your typical maybe European or American kind of scenery um, and I would read this it didn't really sort of resonate to me until I began to actually study that part of the world and of course living in the Middle East for several years now I kind of see wow I can see this it makes sense and for listeners of the podcast mm. that maybe live in the U.S., and maybe we can link this somehow in the show notes, mm -hmm. but there is a, a pair called Sergio and Rhoda, who are some evangelical Christians from Israel who make YouTube videos about biblical sites. Okay. For example, they have their latest video uh, during this COVID time is they go to the valley where the battle happened between David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. And they said, huh. You go on top of the hill and I'm gonna go in the valley and I'm gonna scream, you know, like Goliath did to see if you can actually hear me. And it's phenomenal wow. that you could actually hear in the same place that it's stated to happen. Uh. So I don't know about other people, but when I see that happen, I think, man, that is just so cool. It really affirms my faith in this text. It's not yeah. hocus pocus, it's it's real stuff that really happens. Yeah, when you read about altars and inner courts and outer courts and you know, you visit some of the like some of the grand mosques in this part of the world that we live in. Like if you've been to Abu Dhabi and you go to the grand mosque there, it's like the palace uh, in Aladdin. Right. And you can walk in these inner places, outer places, and you read something like this, and all that kind of rushes into your mind's eye, doesn't it? You read about temples and courts and inner and outer and measure this, but don't measure that. You think, oh, okay, yeah, you understand what it means. Whereas, yeah, growing up in the West, as a massive 
broad brushstroke. Right. Maybe it doesn't because your life is not, you know, perforated with temples and courtyards and. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's not in your context. <laughs> yeah. No. I would just encourage people, James, that are listening to uh, have a look at Sergio and Rhoda on YouTube. Um, in yeah, Israel. maybe we can put that in the notes. And as well, I would encourage people to try to put context behind this stuff because it's real place, it's real things, yep. real cultures. And there have actually been more prophecy that has happened already than is going to happen in the future. So I think God has a pretty 100% track record of doing what he says he's going mm-hmm. to do. And so I think at the end of the day, to me, this means that God is a God I can trust. So mm-hmm. I'm yeah, trying to make it. Yeah, you're not s- 100% sure yourself. Right. He is a God of precision and order and specificity. And there's just some stuff that you and me are never going to be 100% sure of, but that he is. So therefore, if I come to church on the weekend and I'm struggling with my job or my marriage or whatever, I know that by placing it in the hands of God and trusting mm-hmm. him for it, yeah. this is who God is. We're just looking at mm-hmm. the precision and authenticity of God how in the world could I not trust him with my life? And mm-hmm. how in the world could I not make him a priority every day of my life? So pretty pretty nice. great message in this text yeah, to kind yeah, of bring yeah. us home. Going from um, seeming chaos and confusion to distilling it down to some nice bite-sized takeaway. <laughs> trust God because he knows what he's doing. Yeah, because he, he really does. Even if you're not sure. You know, think about it, James. When you're a kid and you're in the car or you're going out and you're a, I guess, wee little lad and you're seven years old or oh, we're something. Not, we're not Scottish. Yeah, we're not Scottish. But I have a <laughs> Scottish friend and I love that term, wee, because I don't have it in my vocabulary. But you, you go out and you're a young kid and you're seven and you're watching your father build something or do something. You think, wow. He knows what he's doing. I can't wait till I get, you know, I I thought Mm. the same thing when I was a a young guy, but I think it's the same way with our heavenly father. We've got to look at him and go, yeah, I can trust him. He knows what he's doing. Mm. I may not get all of this. I might not even know which persuasion I'm the first half or the second half of the week. But one thing I do know is that he's got it under control. And so therefore I can trust him. True. So that's right. Very bite size. Very bite size. Well, James, I think in the next podcast, we are going to be looking at the witnesses. I think there's talk about, I think we reintroduce lampstands next time. Mm, Yep. These two guys have got quite a specific uh, task and quite a, what's the right word? They've got a very specific task and a very heavenly commission. No, that's just the same thing in a different. Right. Well, I've got a week now or two weeks to think about how to talk about this better because <laughs> that was terrible. We'll talk about these two guys and what they're doing. Summary they're sentence, doing James. <laughs> yeah, I've got two weeks or 10 days or whatever to think. These two guys have got a very specific task and they're going about it in very particular ways and they're protected in very particular ways anyway. That's far too many words. Well, great, great faith-affirming facts today. And uh, if you've heard something you like, as always, we encourage you to share it with your friends, pass along the podcast to somebody else, uh, help our uh, membership base grow so more people can hear the Word of God. And we appreciate you as a listener.